The following sermon audio is from The Source Church in Plainfield, Illinois. More information about The Source Church can be found at www.thesourcechurch.life. All right, good morning, everybody. If you would return to your seats we will, so we can read the Word of God. We'll be in Hebrews 11, starting at verse 23, continuing through verse 31. So if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. Okay. By faith, Moses, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he, had grown, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, and he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had encircled for after they had been encircled for seven days, and by faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This is the word of God. Good morning. You know, I, I probably don't even need to get up here and preach after the worship set this morning was basically like my whole sermon, so those songs. I, we're, maybe we should just go home early, I don't know. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I recently tried to find out all that Google knows about me, right? You, you probably have some sense that big tech companies are, have enormous amounts of data on you, and a company like Google will look at all your activities, you know, what you do on the web, what you've searched for where you've used Google, you know, the, your maps, what you've watched, all these things, and they make a profile on who you are, all for the purposes of selling ads and world domination. But in the same way that computer algorithms can try to understand us from our actions, what I want to consider this morning is this question. How do I know what you believe in? How does anybody know? Is it as simple as you just tell me what you believe in? And maybe you can describe to me what you think you believe in, but your actions speak louder about your true beliefs. Right? Computers and algorithms can sift through loads of data on the internet and make predictions to sell you ads, but the discerning person can understand your faith by the actions you take. And understanding our faith is of the utmost importance. Examining ourselves and understanding the quality of our faith, really it has eternal consequences. And so in Hebrews 11, we're in the middle of this section that expounds on the faith of various figures from biblical history. And we've been going through it for several weeks now. And in all these, it holds them up as examples of faith 
for the purpose of encouraging us in our faith. And if you remember back all the way to the start of chapter 11, which was in that time before Christmas, before Advent, in Hebrews 11, 1 to 2, we got this definition of faith. It says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. It says that faith is assurance and conviction. It's being so sure of something, whatever this thing hoped for is, that you respond accordingly. And salvation, here it refers to commendation, then comes by faith. And so what we're going to see in this week's passage is more examples of how faith was demonstrated by various people. And we're going to walk through verses 23 to 31 and pull out further ideas then about what the true life of faith is and how we can apply that to our own lives. So before we dive into the text, would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we, uh, we come to you this morning. We pray that you would speak through your word. God, we want to live by faith as all these saints of old did that you tell us about. We can't do anything without your spirit guiding us. And so we ask that you would fill us with faith, fill us with the power of your spirit, God. Search us and know our hearts and where we fall short and where we need help growing in lives of faith. We pray that we would, God, grow us. As we work through these many examples this morning, I pray that you would help them to be embedded in our heart. Help us, God. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. So we start in verse 23. And this section focuses largely on Moses and the Exodus for the first couple verses. Um, But it actually begins with Moses' parents. It says, By faith, Moses, when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, we get the details of this story back in Exodus 1 and 2, which is Sarah's favorite book, if you didn't know. Um, God's people, the family of Abraham, they ended up in Egypt. Scott kind of mentioned a little bit last week about how um, Abraham's family through Joseph was, was led to Egypt. And we're now 400, time, 400 years from the time of Joseph, and there's millions of Hebrews in the land, and they've been oppressed and enslaved by Egypt. And we have in the beginning of Exodus, a new pharaoh comes onto the scene, and he decides that he's going to deal with this growing threat by decree that all the male children must be killed of the Hebrews. They must be cast into the Nile. Now, verse 23 highlights the faith of Moses' parents. It says, by faith, Moses was hidden by his parents rather than being killed. What do we learn about their faith? We get this commentary in the verse that, um, where it says that they saw that the child was beautiful. And uh, there's actually a parallel telling of this account in Acts chapter 7 uh, in, in the speech by Stephen And he adds a little bit of details here. It says, At the time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. And he uses the same word there. 
Moses' parents recognized the value of Moses in light of God. With some commentators even believing that they had some sort of insight into the special life that Moses was going to lead in redemptive history. But they, they knew that this child mattered to their God. And they had a strong conviction in the value of this child before God and so acted accordingly. Despite the risks to their own life, they kept Moses alive and hid him for three months. And this verse shows us the first of many examples we're going to walk through of my main point. That the life of faith is defined by confident action. The life of faith is defined by confident action. Or put another way, you could say that your actions reveal your faith. If faith is the assurance of things hoped for, then your confident action reveals what is truly hoped for, and it reveals that level of assurance. There's also then two qualities of faith that repeat through all these examples as well that I want to highlight. So I would say this, the life of faith involves confident action despite the cost and dependent on God. We're going to see that repeated through all these examples. Now, for Moses' parents, the high cost uh, is evident in this passage, right? Their life was at stake. To defy Pharaoh's command and be caught meant death for themselves and for the child. And yet they stood firm and kept the baby alive and hid him for three months. Now, you might be wondering what happened after those three months. (laughs) Why does it say they only hid him for three months. We read in Exodus 2, verses 3 to 4, that when she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and daubed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. If you know your story, Moses as a baby is placed in a basket and sent down the Nile by his parents. Why did they only hide the baby for three months? Just to place him in a basket and send him down the Nile. That seems kind of like the opposite of the faith that they started with, right? It seems like they're giving up and just chucking the baby in the river after all. (laughs) But no, that's not the case. To protect the life of the child at that point, they knew that they couldn't hold on to him any longer. They would surely be found out and killed. I don't know if you've been around uh, like a four-month-old baby they're kind of, they can get noisy. They can start getting noisy at that point and, and older. And, and that's, that's really gets to that second quality of their faith. Their actions showed that they were dependent on God. They acted to save the child, but understood that ultimately God was in control. At that point, faith required that they place the child in the basket, in hope, dependent on God trusting that God would protect the life of the child. And that's just what God did. So for Moses' parents, faith looked like action to hide the baby in one season and action to send the baby down the Nile in the next season. Faithful action does not always look the same. What God is calling me to do in faith may be different than what God is calling you to do. 
what God is calling me to do today may be different than what God called me to do last year under different circumstances. Faith today might be to, to stay in your job despite the difficulties and the headaches. Uh, but faith next year might be to leave your job and start a business or pursue ministry. What defines the validity of the faith is not necessarily action, but it's the assurance of hope you have in God. While God's character and his word don't change, his spirit can lead us to different conclusions based on the circumstances that we're in. And it takes wisdom and a discerning heart to hear that from God. So we got like a bunch of examples that we got to go. It might seem like we're jumping around a lot, but it's kind of, uh, there's a bunch here that we got to fit in. So the next section focuses on Moses identifying with the Hebrews rather than with the Egyptians. In verse 24, starting in verse 24, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. The Exodus stories continues. By God's providence, baby Moses is picked up in the Nile. He's adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And God even ordains that Moses would have a continued connection with his family. So Moses grows up with the worldly privileges of being in the royal family. But also he knows where he came from, and he has this connection to God through his uh, knowing his, uh, his birth family. Now, when Moses was an adult, we read that he had a moment where his identity shifted dramatically. He sees the burdens of the Hebrew people, and one day he encounters an Egyptian beating a Hebrew man. And Moses defends the man and kills the Egyptian. And then the next day, Moses uh, tries to intervene in a fight between two Hebrews, and the people reject him. They're like, are you going to try and kill me <laughs> uh, as you did the Egyptian? And so Moses knows that the word is out on what happened. Uh, and he, he knows that when Pharaoh heard about what happened, um, Pharaoh was seeking to kill Moses. And we're told in Exodus then that Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian. Now, reading the Exodus account alone, it would kind of seem that Moses did not act in faith as he flees for his life to Midian. So which is it? Did Moses flee based on fear? Or did Moses act in faith as Hebrews 11 claims? God's word does not contradict itself. Moses acted from both fear and faith. And in the real world, even the best examples of faith are found in imperfect people. Our motivations will always be tainted with some amount of sin and disbelief. 
Moses definitely understood the threat on his life from Pharaoh, and he was afraid. But in contrast, Hebrews 11 is highlighting the underlying faith that Moses displayed prior to and after that event. Even before Moses killed the Egyptians, killed the Egyptian, he chose to identify with the Hebrews and with God. He chose to reject his royal status and the fleeting pleasures of sin. And then in the face of that rejection by the Hebrews, when they don't really want anything to do with him, uh, and the threat of death from Pharaoh, Moses still chose to identify as a Hebrew. You could imagine that, you know, maybe Moses could uh, try and go back to Egypt and smooth things over. Um, you know, he might appeal to his status as the, do- as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, try and show his loyalty, loyalty to Egypt. But he didn't do that. He didn't turn back in fear. Verse 24 says that Moses now refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And so, unwilling to turn back to Egypt and rejected by the Hebrew people, Moses moved forward in faith and fled to Midian. And as we live a life of faith in Christ, we need to be realistic about our competing motivations. I've talked with many friends uh, in the process of making decisions and life decisions, and they're just racked. They can be wrecked by doubts and trying to understand what is the will of God. They don't know what decision to make. Should I take this new job or move away? Should we try to have kids or should we wait? And I always ask, are you motivated by fear or faith? And inevitably, inevitably, there's always a mixture of both, right? And apart from blatantly sinful choices, um, there's not usually one right answer to any of these questions. But the faith versus fear question tries to get at a deeper heart motivation. What is God setting before you in hope that draws you to one option? Which one is based on your conviction that God is good and that God will care for you? Or which option is motivated negatively by the fear of the unknown? And so we need to spend time discerning these questions and then move forward in faith, confident, trusting that no matter what, your life is in God's hands. You're still going to have some fear. But like Paul says in Romans 8, you can say with him, if God is for us, who can be against us? So Moses forsook the material comforts that he knew, the status he held in Pharaoh's court to identify with God, And with confidence, despite the cost, despite his fears, he moved forward even into the unknown of a new land. And he trusted that God would take care of him there. Now, our next example in Hebrews 11 comes to this idea of the first Passover. From verse 28, it says, By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. For Moses, of course, the story doesn't end there in Midian. Um, God appears to Moses in the burning bush and commissions him to go back and bring 
his people out of Egypt. And so Moses reunites uh, with the people and confronts Pharaoh to let the people go. And, you know, we're covering a lot of ground here, but God initiates a series of plagues against the Egyptians, and Pharaoh continues to refuse to comply. And that all culminates then in this final plague, the tenth plague. And God warns through Moses, that, uh, Pharaoh, that uh, if he doesn't let the people go, that he needs to let his people go. Otherwise, he is going to kill the firstborn son of everyone in the land. And this leads to the first Passover. Moses instructs the people to obtain a lamb without blemish. And they are to kill the lamb and prepare it and uh, eat it in this ceremonial meal. All these details are in Exodus. But they are to take the blood of the lamb that was slaughtered and to mark their doorposts and their lintels with it. Not lentils, lintels in case you misheard that. Um, in Exodus 12, 13, this is, what, this is what it says. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So we're told that keeping the Passover and sprinkling the blood on the doorpost is an example of faith. And the Passover, we know, is a foreshadowing of Christ and his sacrificial death. As John the Baptist declares, behold, speaking of Jesus, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So understanding this example of faith is crucial because this is the main example. This is what it means to have faith as a Christian. This is the gospel, right? That by the blood of the Lamb, you are saved from the wrath of God. By the shed blood of Jesus, we are saved from the wrath that we duly deserve. Only by his blood are we saved. You need to understand this, that you are not saved by anything you do. You're not saved because you're a pretty good person. You're not saved because you chose it. You're not saved by the magic of a ritual that you perform. You are saved by the grace of of God who would shed his own blood, the only worthy substitute. So what are we saying then about Moses' example of faith here? The life of faith requires confident action, but the act of painting the door doesn't save you. For them, for the Hebrews, participation in the Passover ritual is an action demonstrating your faith in God to deliver you. Your action demonstrates your dependence on God. And an application for us is that faith takes God's word seriously. God had warned Pharaoh through Moses, and, and he showed that he means business by the first nine plagues, and Pharaoh continued to not comply. Pharaoh's hard heart ignores what God has clearly said to him. And if you're hearing this this morning and you're not a Christian, my prayer is that God's word would come through clearly. Every single person alive has sinned 
in countless ways and is equally deserving of God's judgment. Whether you acknowledge God's existence or not, we will all face the judgment of God at our appointed time. We're not saved from that by any outward actions, by reading the Bible or going to church, giving money, being kind. We're not saved by painting a door or wearing a cross. We're saved by faith in the God who forgives us and makes a way to pass over our sins through Jesus. My hope is that you will not ignore his warning and take him at his word as he offers you salvation. Now, we're halfway through the examples. I think they, they go a little bit faster from here. You know, Scott went really long on, you know, his stuff and Sarah. So this isn't all on me. You guys can't see the look I'm getting. Um, all right, so the next example focuses on Moses leading the people to cross the Red Sea. It says in verse 29, By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. After the Passover, the final plague, it says that there wasn't a house in Egypt where someone was not dead. And so Pharaoh finally relented at that, and he allowed the Hebrews to leave. And Moses then leads the people out of Egypt. Once they leave, though, Pharaoh has a change of heart, and he begins to pursue them. And so Pharaoh sends out horses and chariots and uh, his, his army to catch up with them, and they find them encamped by the sea. But hear these words. God gives the people hope. He says in Exodus 14, starting in verse 13, And the Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians, whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Now, you could probably picture... Charlton Heston, at this point, playing Moses. Um, God, at this point, parts the Red Sea, creating a channel of dry land for uh, the Hebrews to safely cross over and escape. And this example, it has all the same hallmarks of faith that we've been talking about. The people demonstrated their faith in God by their action of their walking, and despite the cost, uh, passing through what seems impossible and uh, like certain death, you know, I, I wouldn't be too keen on just <laughs> walking through this parted sea necessarily. Also, the rescue shows a complete dependence on God. My favorite line is, is that in that Exodus 14, 14 line, the Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. Just shut up and start walking. <laughs> God delivered them through the waters by faith. I think there's an additional application uh, of faith to highlight from this verse, though. It's significant that the author of Hebrews mentions two groups of people in verse 29. Two groups enter, only one group leaves. Two groups enter the opening to cross the Red Sea, but only one group left the other side. What's the difference? While faith leads to action, 
the same action does not necessarily come from the same faith. Two groups of people can have very similar-looking actions, entering a miraculously parted sea, but have completely different motivations and outcomes. And we know that it did not end well for the Egyptians that day. So two groups of people may have lives that look similar. Church attendance, generous, nice, well-mannered. But their actions may be motivated by completely different reasons. One is spiritually dead, trying to earn favor from God. And the other operates out of a resurrected heart and gratitude toward God. You know which one you are. We come to the next example in Hebrews 11, which occurs at Jericho. It says in verse 30, By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. We're skipping ahead again in the history, um, past the time of Moses, past the time of wandering in the wilderness, to the beginning of the conquest of the promised land. God had told them, I'm going to give you this land. Um, And Joshua is now the leader of the people after Moses passes away. So they cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, and Jericho is the first city that they must conquer in that land. And the way that they conquer it is another example of faith, we're told. God tells Joshua and the people a unique way to (laughs) approach Jericho. March around the city, around the walls of the city, with the Ark of the Covenant once a day for six days, And then on the seventh day, march around seven times. Uh, And after that, they're to shout and blow their horns, and the city walls will fall down, allowing them to conquer the city. So by faith, the people proceeded with this plan. Confident action taken despite the cost and dependent on God. The the cost is high, right? As this plan left people vulnerable, to be attacked. And likewise, they're dependent on God. Modern estimates uh, say that the walls of of Jericho were like 11 feet high and 14 feet thick. Uh, It doesn't take a structural engineer to know that marching and horn playing aren't just going to naturally crumble those. Um, And we actually read in Joshua 5 that Joshua sees a man before him who identifies himself as the commander of the army of the Lord. Joshua acts with confidence that the Lord will lead them to victory, even if the plan doesn't make sense to them. Are you willing to follow God's instruction when obedience seems foolish or like it could never actually accomplish anything? As I was thinking about that question, the the broadest application I could think of was in our prayer lives. Do you demonstrate your faith in the action of prayer even when it seems like it will be fruitless? Recently, after uh, the last men's breakfast we had, um, which focused on 
the parenting of your children towards the Lord? Um, there were several conversations with folks um, whose adult children are far from God. I'm just asking the question, what can they do now for their children? This faith applied encourages you to keep praying. Keep praying for your kids. Keep praying and trust that ultimately only God can knock down the walls in their hearts. Only God can breathe new life into a dead soul. And so the most effective thing that we can do as parents is be faithful to ask and to trust and to seek. Finally, we come to the last example from this section, which is the example of Rahab. In verse 31, it says, By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given friendly welcome to the spies. Um, we, read it, we read in the book of Joshua that prior to Joshua coming into Jericho, um, they sent a few spies ahead to check out the city. And Rahab, a woman from the city of Jericho, uh, hides the spies and aids in their escape when the authorities are looking for them. Rahab exemplifies faith defined by actions despite the cost and dependent on God. The potential cost to Rahab was high. She was willing to risk her life and her connections to her community and everything in order to serve God. And Rahab had convictions of things not seen, and we know that her trust was in God. Um, we read in Joshua 2, a, a snippet here, she says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, for we have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. Her faith was in God. We must have the same faith as Rahab, who seems like an unlikely convert. Hebrews 11.31 takes the time to highlight Rahab's identity as a prostitute. Not exactly the exemplary path we want to take ourselves. And yet, despite her past identity, Rahab is found faithful, and she's saved from perishing, and she's brought into the family of God. Now, an error that we're prone to make looking at the example of Rahab is to think that Rahab's actions merited her uh, the favor from God. We can believe that she earned her salvation, that, uh, yeah, sure, she was a prostitute, but ultimately her good outweighed her bad. But the story of Joshua won't allow us to make that error, however. The salvation in this story is not offered to Rahab because of her actions, but by grace through faith. And we know that because salvation is also offered to Rahab's family, her whole household, those who didn't earn anything. Joshua 2.18 says, Behold, when we come into the land, you shall tie this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And you shall gather into your house your father, your mother, your brothers, and all of your household. Those who will be saved are those who demonstrate their faith, joining Rahab in seeking shelter. 
They seek shelter under the blood red marking the scarlet cord. May we do likewise. So, we conclude, what do your actions say about you? Do they attest to your faith in the God of the Bible? Do they attest to your hope in the atoning work and resurrection of Jesus? Or do they reveal something else? Do they speak of a fear and an unwillingness to risk high cost? Your actions reveal an underlying disbelief in God's word. My hope is that you'll know God's promises and find strength and confidence in them. May you wisely discern the appropriate faithful action and proceed like Moses' parents, with confidence. May you be unfazed by the cost, willing to give up worldly pleasures like Moses. May your confidence be in God as the one who provides, protects, and saves like at the Passover and at the Red Sea. May you trust in the Lord and obey when it seems backwards and knowing that God leads us to victory. May you trust in the atoning work of Christ. And where we fall short, where our faith falls short, ask God to give you confidence in Christ and live in response to the great hope that we have in him. Pray with me. Father God, God, we thank you for your word. And we pray that you would fill our hearts with faith and trust in you, God. We don't generate this ourselves, but we look to you to be the one who um, fills us with faith by your spirit. We ask that your promises and your word would be um, true and evident in our lives. God, that we would be so full of assurance that we would respond um, in action, trusting you. God, that you'd cover over the fears that linger. I pray that our lives would demonstrate a trust in you, God, and it would bring you glory. I trust you to carry us to the end. I pray this all in Jesus' name.